Welcome to Breakout Investors. Today we are speaking with the management of Boardwalk Tech, ticker symbol BWLKF, specifically the company's chairman and CEO, Andy Duncan. Joining me on today's call is Breakout Investor, Florian Bushak. This call is being recorded on August 10th, 2021, and will be distributed via the Breakout Investor channel on YouTube and via our podcasting network. Look for Breakout Investor content wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and most other platforms. Supporting material for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The platform and application and much of the research content is free. After registering, registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page, type the ticker symbol, and the result will give you the link to the research post and this presentation, and to the other discussion and research relating to today's company. Those of you already on the Breakout Investor platform can share your questions for the company using the Discuss tab in Florian's Breakout Room. So let's get started with me handing over the microphone to Florian, who will speak briefly about his interest in Boardwalk Tech and then turn the call over to management. Florian? Yes, hello, everybody. So. Um, I think before I make too many words, we just let Andy present and we will follow up with a few questions and hopefully very good answers. And yeah, I would say let's get started. Great. Thank you very much, Florian. Um, I'm honored to be here at uh, Breakout Investors and um, my name is Andy Duncan. I am the, the chairman and CEO of Boardwalk Tech. I'm also joined today by uh, Charlie Glavin, who's our CFO. So if we get into any super technical questions with regard to finance stuff, we can hand it over to Charlie. Okay, well, let me go ahead and get started. Traditional forward-looking statement. And let's talk about Boardwalk. So Boardwalk is um, headquartered in Silicon Valley. We've also got offices in uh, Mumbai, India. Um, we've developed a digital ledger um, powered low code application platform where we work with large organizations to help them move a lot of their manual uh, processes, mainly in Microsoft Excel, over onto the platform that gives them enhanced security compliance and the ability to get to decisions faster, which of course drives um, improvement in both uh, their, their business and the results. Um, we're all about kind of transformation of this unstructured data, which Microsoft Excel and all of the processes that are run in Microsoft Excel are considered unstructured. And if you kind of take a look at the enterprise itself today, which is the, you know, primarily where we sell into, um, you know, they've spent a tremendous amount of money on the big systems of record like SAP and Oracle and Salesforce.com. I mean, we have customers today that have literally spent over a billion dollars on that software. Yet when you go into these companies and you sit down and you really talk to them about how they're making decisions, how they're managing data, um, it's amazing to us to see how much Microsoft Excel is used and how important it is in the enterprise. And so we look at this Microsoft Excel and all of this kind of what we say unstructured data as the last big hurdle in the enterprise. Most enterprises today have 
everything pretty well under control with the exception of all of this unstructured data that's coming at them. And most of that is sitting in Microsoft Excel. Our business model that we uh, we transformed uh, in 2018 to a, a SaaS uh, platform as a service model. Uh, today, we have over 20 of the uh, Fortune 500 as customers. 65% uh, of our revenue comes from multi-year um, annual recurring licenses. Um, our pipeline over the past year um, during the COVID has actually doubled to um, uh, in excess of $9 million. And uh, we're continuing to invest in um, our sales force, uh, adding a just a, another new salesperson um, two weeks ago uh, in the Chicagoland area. Um, our license revenue continues to increase 26% uh, from uh, the post to 2018 clients, which is basically this uh, SaaS model. And um, our business is is pretty darn scalable. Um, you know, we're running on average, you know, 85, 86% gross margin. Uh, we continue to make improvements with regard to our net income. Uh, any of you that are following the company currently or have followed the company, you'll know that we did a a fairly large financing, about 11 million Canadian, eight, eight and a half million US uh, at the end of uh, February, beginning of March. Um, those funds um, really helped us uh, not only to improve the balance sheet, uh, but also we um, uh, paid off all of the debt on the company in uh, March of 2021. We had some venture debt on there and, and we're thrilled with the fact that um, We've got this very solid balance sheet. We are completely debt free and we are tracking to being a, a profitable company here in the uh, in the near future. So what exactly is the is the technology that Boardwalk has developed? So we have um, multiple patents and one of them is we have a patent on what we call a digital ledger, which is a new way of managing data within the enterprise. And I think that you guys understand that our focus has been on helping companies with that kind of, you know, last hurdle or last mile, if you will, of um, data that today is not controlled appropriately, not secure, and um, is still being manually managed. And most of that information resides in these Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. So our low-code application platform that we um, that we license to uh, companies on a, on again a SaaS basis um, allows people to be able to uh, connecting these spreadsheet processes into our uh, platform allows people to be able to work at the same time, um, which is quite extraordinary. Allows so there's no locking, if you will allows people to make changes on the same data while managing all of this information <clears throat> with a database behind the scenes where we have what we call a single version of the truth. And they can do all of this without mucking up the data in the process. So again, traditionally how people manage data is they email these spreadsheets around. And by the time you get done with that, it's a, it's a complete disaster. You don't know what version you're on. You don't know who's made what change. And by migrating these um, spreadsheet-based processes that are mission critical in the enterprise over onto the, the Boardwalk Digital Ledger uh, low-code application platform, we allow you to be able to have um, authorization, a full audit trail, accountability, uh, provenance and, and, and tracing of the transactions, and a 
far superior and improved method of being able to manage all of these uh, all of this data in these spreadsheets. So what does the enterprise kind of look like today? <clears throat> well, this and this is kind of my favorite slide in the whole deck because what it shows you here um, uh, on this this one side is this is how companies operate today. Um, and literally, we'll walk into a company and, and, and these companies will have thousands of these Microsoft Excel spreadsheets where they're capturing data from different places in the organization. And they're aggregating that data onto these spreadsheets. Before you know it, as they start to aggregate the data onto the spreadsheets, they start writing formulas and macros. And before you know it, information that is in these spreadsheets becomes mission critical and decisions that are being made in the, in the enterprise isn't necessarily out of their big transactional systems of record. Multi-million dollar decisions every minute are being made off of the information that's resonant in these Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. So the whole mission of, of BoardWalk in our digital ledger platform is how do we help companies take this messy fruit salad that's all of these different spreadsheets that are being emailed around and put on file servers and who made the last change and what version am I on? And it takes three days waiting for somebody to send back a spreadsheet so you can update your data. It's inefficient, it's expensive, there's a lot of errors, it's time consuming, it's a, it's a flat out mess. And so when we explain the fact that by migrating and, and transforming these spreadsheets over onto the Boardwalk Digital Ledger, that allowing us to be able to effectively put a database behind the Excel process. So when we move the data over onto the Digital Ledger, the Boardwalk Digital Ledger, we don't ask them to change anything in their Excel. They continue to use Excel as normal as native. The only thing that they change is that they open up Excel, they make a change, and instead of emailing the file, they simply hit submit refresh. A submit refresh then looks at all the cells and that spreadsheets that, that has changed and basically moves it onto the digital ledger here so that when the next party comes in and says, I'd like to see what changes have been made, instead of opening up a, a, an email with an attachment, they simply open up their spreadsheet and hit refresh, let's call them their, their, their party number C or party C, and they'll actually see the changes come in real time into their, um, into their local spreadsheet. And so when you think about the fact that companies have thousands of these spreadsheets, it really is kind of the, the, the last hurdle, the last mile of digital transformation. And Boardwalk is sitting here with this, uh, this terrifically powerful digital ledger platform that we've built out uh, that allows you to be able to do transaction chaining, allows us to be able to have a timestamp. We effectively have got a record of every single change made forever in the spreadsheet because all of it is recorded on the digital ledger. And so when we show this to companies, they go, wow, that's really fantastic. Um, you know, I've got a lot of different applications that I could move that's currently in manual Excel 
over onto the Boardwalk Digital Ledger, and that's how we roll. We get into a company, we solve a problem first for them, and then we land and expand against that that particular company uh, that not only drives additional uh, recurring license revenue, uh, but also is a very sticky environment because once they move these spreadsheets over onto the Boardwalk Digital Ledger and they start recognizing the power of what we do, um, it's very difficult for them to leave. So what what is exactly, um, you know, what are the problems that we solve? So the first thing that we do is we help these companies transform these manual-based Excel processes into and onto our low-code digital ledger platform so that you can actually now get them into the enterprise ecosystem. Um, so instead of, you know, three people that are VPs or senior directors controlling, you know, these different spreadsheet applications. It's now under the guise of the IT department. Everybody knows who's connected. Everybody knows what data is being seen. And we're connecting it into their other transactional systems of record. Um, the second area that we really help with is in compliance. So um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later about this new area that we're entering, which is in kind of the financial services arena. And there's been a lot of talk over the past kind of 12, 18 months about compliance with regard to these spreadsheets. You also are seeing a lot of issues around compliance all around the world regarding data um, that is private and personal data that, that can't be shared outside of an organization. Well, guess what? There was an executive from a very large worldwide bank that had his laptop stolen at Heathrow. Sitting on that laptop happened to be 50, 50 Microsoft Excel processes that he was managing and running and part of. And within all of those Microsoft Excel processes, there was all kinds of private data that was sitting in that uh, on that on that laptop in those Microsoft Excel processes um, that really caused a big problem for the bank. And so these banks now are starting to and and and, and most big companies are are really starting to look hard at am I in compliance? Do I have my data protected? Do I am I providing the right tools for my employees to make sure? Am I monitoring the information and the transactions that are in these systems of record? <clears throat> um, and so that's definitely where we play. Security is another big part, which is that do I have these spreadsheets backed up? Do I have them secure? Are they behind our you know, single sign-on system for security and access, um, of which many of them today are not. And so with the, the Boardwalk, um, you know, patented digital ledger platform, we provide the ability to transform these spreadsheets into an enterprise app. We provide the compliance component of this, including the patented transaction chaining, so you can have a history of what's going on. Uh, we provide all of the security, um, whether that's integrating into the existing security environment of a company or us providing the security for them. And then we help these companies to unify the data. So remember that if you're an enterprise information worker today, you got information coming at you like you can't believe. There's tweets and there's emails and there's there's attachments and there's PDFs and there's 
URLs and it's like, how do I manage this data? I need a place to be able to unify this data so that I can combine it, analyze it, and and help me and my colleagues in 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 my organization uh, make better, um, more insightful decisions and make those decisions faster. So one of the things that the Boardwalk Digital Ledger platform does is we help some we help employees and and enterprises unify their data. And then of course the visibility. So as we all know, time is money, and based upon that, if you can provide visibility or the information um, faster than your competition. If you can see that data faster, such as I'm going to be out of inventory on Thursday, I need to do an emergency shipment, as opposed to finding out Wednesday night, knowing that you don't have time to do an emergency shipment, which means you're going to lose sales revenue. Um, that's the difference between knowing early and knowing late. And, and that visibility, the ability to rapidly see changes that are happening, um, is a very important component of what Boardwalk does. Because when we bring everybody together on the digital ledger platform, everybody can see the transactions that are happening in a real-time basis across either internal people, across partners, across distributors, you name it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's very important for them to be able to see that. And when we show them that they're going to be able to actually speed up the uh, information sharing, which will then allow them to make a better, faster decision, um, they really start to resonate. And I've got some good examples to show you later about that. So <clears throat> the solution is really critical to enterprises. The, our platform really provides a very deep value and we provide kind of at the core four different things. We provide a collaboration environment where, again, as we talked about, um, you know, the speed and agility of, of, of getting the information. We certainly provide a much more efficient environment for someone to be able to make decisions versus uh, legacy systems and or um, emailing these spreadsheets around and waiting for three days for someone to respond. Um, we also have this full compliance environment that allows you to be able to audit, um, look at all of the transactions and the provenance and tracking uh, that really provides trust and security and testing. So, you know, many times these people will go out, they'll copy and paste information from a big enterprise system, put it into the spreadsheet, and then no one really knows if that data is accurate or not, or even up to date. And so with Boardwalk, we have the ability to integrate into those systems of record, pull the data in, and effectively create a real-time environment so that not only they can see the data, but it's also fully auditable and meets the compliance standards of, um, of the industry. And then, of course, analytics, so that if, you, if you've got the data now in a single version of the truth, and you can really see the data sitting on the database, which is what the digital ledger is all about, you can actually make much more um, uh, much more rapid decisions and drive a lot of that information through analytics that you can run through the Boardwalk platform. <clears throat> so, you know, again, to kind of wrap up the problem, the problem is that while these large enterprises have spent a lot of money, like Coca-Cola spent over a billion dollars on SAP, 
yet you walk in there and they've got nothing but spreadsheets all over the place. And those spreadsheets are, are defined in the enterprise as, um, you know, as unstructured data because there's no security control. There's no uh, control from, um, from their IT department. And so it's totally unstructured. It's a wild, wild west. And so about 80% of the data in any enterprise today is unstructured. Uh, and it's still the wild, wild west. And so that's why we talk about kind of that that last mile of, of being able to help them to transform this unstructured data into an enterprise environment. So <clears throat> unstructured data, uh, just to continue to further define this, is really all about, um, you know, data that's not managed in a database and not managed in their current corporate IT environment. So think of a, you know, as a PDF, as an HTML, as a Word document, uh, and or um, Microsoft Excel, which happens to be the largest type of unstructured data application that's out there. And so, you know, this unstructured data is very costly. Um, you know, the lack of accessibility, the lack of security, the lack of control drives also very slow decision making. And we've all seen a lot of these um, press releases and and white papers about you know uh, such and such bank made an made a, an error in a in a formula and it cost them millions of dollars. It's very common not only in banks but also throughout the enterprise, where um, you know they could make these really terrible mistakes uh, that can sincerely affect a company, uh, including you know their earnings and 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 everything else. So it's very important that these companies really need to get control of this unstructured data. Um, so Boardwalk's digital ledger not only helps them to be able to get control of the unstructured data, uh, which we just talked about, but on the other side, the other 20% of the data that's sitting in an enterprise, of the data that's sitting in Oracle and SAP and Salesforce and, and IBM, um, through our digital ledger platform, we provide this single version, uh, the single place, if you will, that allows someone in the enterprise to search, organize, and manage both their structured and unstructured data. So there's a lot of data that sits in a structured environment, such as inventory data that's sitting in SAP or sales forecasting data that's sitting in salesforce.com that you need to pull out of the structured environment and bring it into the digital ledger and then marry that with the unstructured data so that now you can come to a um, a better decision because you've got the information at your fingertips and it's the right information. So <clears throat> why it's important for the enterprises to adopt the Boardwalk Digital Ledger platform is we help them increase their revenue and, and improve their results because of the speed by which they can make decisions. We also see an improved customer satisfaction. So if you've got the right product at the on the right shelf at the right time, um, or you know information that's flowing so that you can make sure that you're meeting your customers' needs. Um, that's really important. Compliance and auditability. You know this, this new market that we're we're now entering into financial services has a heck of a lot to do with compliance and auditability. And uh, these companies are going to be under 
increased pressure over the next four to five years to get control of this unstructured data, especially in spreadsheets. And that all comes back to how do I get these into compliance? How do I make them auditable? They're not auditable today when you're emailing spreadsheets around. They are auditable if they're in the Boardwalk Digital Ledger because we track every single transaction, single version of the truth on the database. Um, the next thing is actionable real-time visibility of all the data. Again, I can't stress enough how important it is. There are some companies today that an hour difference in trying to make a decision is really important. You guys think of the Bloomberg terminals that you've got and all the information that's coming in where you're making decisions whether you want to buy, sell, go long, go short, whatever you do. And that's all about having the data right at your fingertips right now. Imagine if you were in a manual Excel environment and you had to wait for somebody to send you an Excel spreadsheet that you then had to interpret once you got it to then make a decision, the opportunity could be long gone. And so this ability to move data quickly in a real-time environment on this digital ledger platform with a single version of the truth where it's all tracked and chained together and auditable is very important. And then, of course, that central control and management of the unstructured data on the platform that allows everybody to then rapidly collaborate and align so that you're making better decisions. So some of our customers today, again, uh, pretty well known. Um, our largest customer is Ernst & Young. Um, so keep in mind that the platform is a general platform. We don't have specific applications that we sell. So when we go into a large organization, we talk to them about where's, you know, where do you have the most spreadsheets? Like, where does it hurt the most? Like going to the doctor, you know, tell me, doc, where does it hurt? And as we, and we have a pretty good idea when we go into a large organization where there's going to be a large number of spreadsheets that need to be remediated, need to be uh, worked on for them. Uh, and so certainly it's somebody like a Coca-Cola or a Levi's and their supply chain is an area where we really like to work and we can provide a lot of value. Somebody like EY, again, our largest customer, they use us in their tax technology platform. So we're an important component of their tax technology platform that allows them to be able to manage data in these Excel spreadsheets for um, being able to track and see what's going on. So imagine if you're doing an audit or you're doing a tax return, you know, and you're a, a Fortune 1000 company that you've hired EY. What's the first thing that happens? EY walks in the door. They sit in your conference room. They got eight people there. They're going to be there for two or three weeks. And they start asking you for show me the following 200 purchase orders and the following 800 invoices and show me this HR data and show me this data. And what do they use to aggregate all that data together to then build out what your tax or what your audit is going to look like? They use Microsoft Excel. And so by deploying the BoardWalk solution and, 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 and our digital ledger platform, it allows them to more rapidly capture the data, have a historical uh, chained transaction, set of transactions so that they know who made changes, when and why, and therefore it, it improves the speed by which they can actually uh, get their work done. 
and reduces the risk associated with it because of the fact that you can have an audit trail of, of what's going on. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's a bunch of other customers on here. I can, I'm happy, by the way, to walk you through some different uh, examples. And I actually have a couple of uh, use cases that I can show you if we, uh, if we have time. Um, so the areas where we see the most use on the platform is in financial planning and analysis. Um, you can imagine all the spreadsheets that are there, supply chain management, um, deal price management. I've got a great example to show you in a minute about that. Um, trade and procurement spend management. So, you know, Coke spends $3 billion a year in trade promotion, tracking are they going to sell this product on a three for two discount or a 12% discount if Walmart puts it on an end cap? Think of all of the stuff that's being done. And by the way, think of all the spreadsheets that are being bounced around to try and figure out what type of a discount you want to provide, what the historical's been, uh, where all of that is, right? None of that stuff, by the way, is in any big enterprise system. All the stuff is being done outside of their, uh, you know, big traditional systems of record. And then, of course, tax planning, which we talked about with EY and Packaging uh, management is also an, another big area where we, we do a lot of work. So um, <clears throat> I wanted to give you kind of an example of a, a, a client. This is an apparel client. Um, and um, just an example of kind of the land and expand strategy that we have. So I talked about that earlier where we get in, we build a relationship. And then once we get in, we start to expand across a particular business unit or across the enterprise. In this particular case, this apparel client, all of these things that you see here happen to be applications that they were running in Microsoft Excel. So all of their production planning was being done in Microsoft Excel. And so what we did is we sat down with them and, and we said, okay, show us everything that you've got. What is it you're trying to accomplish? And they said, the systems aren't talking to each other. The spreadsheets don't talk to each other. Um, it takes us a long time to get to decisions. Sometimes we have to wait three days to get the right data. That can really cause a problem. So we said, fine, here's how we're going to solve this on the BoardWalk um, uh, platform, on the Digital Ledger platform. And we basically built these first five applications for them, all connected up on the Digital Ledger platform. And the remaining um, applications here that are in white are pending applications that we're either working on or will be working on um, as we kind of go forward. So this is the land and expand strategy. And it's really wonderful to be able to see that once we get, uh, once we build that trust, we get in and they go, wow, this is really helping us over here. Why don't we use BoardWalk to solve the problem over here and over here and over here? And that's exactly what we want. We think that most large enterprises today have got a minimum of, you know, uh, of at least a hundred, sometimes a thousand, but at least a hundred mission critical spreadsheet processes that they're running that would be perfect candidates to move on to the boardwalk digital ledger platform so you know if you think about kind of how we charge and the roi that we can provide we go in we license the um uh you know the the platform to them in a in a platform as a service or SaaS environment and then we just roll the next application and the next application and the next application. And through that, we build our revenue um, on a recurring basis. Um, takes about anywhere from kind of four to six weeks per application to deliver it. That normally is two or three people. Um, and we're not writing any code. 
the platform is a low-code platform, which means that uh, we're just doing configuration work. So, you know, normally six weeks, it's two weeks for requirements, two weeks for the uh, configuration, and then two weeks for testing and training. And uh, so that's why it kind of takes six weeks. Uh, but once that's done, they're up and running, and then we go to the next one and we go to the next one. So, uh, you know, we're thinking long term that if we could get a company to, you know, uh, 20 or so of these applications, um, they're going to be paying us, you know, anywhere around, um, you know, 500000 to a million dollars a year in recurring revenue. And and we think we'll we'll be able to get them as we already have one client today at kind of a million a year recurring all you can eat move all your spreadsheets onto the boardwalk platform, and when you start doing the math and you say, gee Andy, you guys have got you know 20, you know 20 major customers today that could fit that bill, and then you think about the fact that we're well on our way to you know getting 200 of those types of customers over the next few years. And you start thinking about a million a year off of that on a recurring basis at a high margin, you can really start to understand kind of where we're going as a business and what's happening. Um, this is another great example of the uh, speed uh, component of Boardwalk. So on Semiconductor, great customer, multiple applications running. Last year, we built out this uh, RFP, RFQ management system for them. So what was happening is that they were getting in about 25 RFP RFQs a day, and they were all coming in in spreadsheets by email. And so then they would take those emails, break them apart, and send them out to a dozen people in the organization for them to quote on their component, and then bring it back and then provide back the uh, response to the RFP RFQ. And it was taking them about seven days. There was a lot of emailing. There was a lot of collaboration. There was a lot of errors going on. We automated the entire system, letting them continue to use the spreadsheets that they use today. We reduced the response time to two days. So it's really interesting what happens is that while I can show you this great ROI on the, you know, kind of a pure hard dollar ROI, but the ancillary benefit is that they increase their sales conversion by up to 20%. Because they responded faster to the RFP, RFQ, they got more orders. And therefore, that isn't even included in the ROI that we're talking about here. So, you know, th this is a great example of something that was done manually that now is moved over to an automated method on the digital ledger platform. And really not only by improving the time by which they could respond, there's tremendous benefit on increased sales conversion uh, and improving the um, the way in which they are responding back to a, a, a customer. So our financial highlights in, in 2021, I will remind you that we are a March 31 fiscal year end. Um, so 35% uh, um, year over year uh, EBITDA improvement and we're continuing to work toward uh, profitability just as quickly as we can. 63% uh, of our revenue came from our new SaaS model. Um, our prior model, we had, um, um, you know, perpetual licenses. And so as we've been converting some of those perpetual licenses, but also not selling any perpetual licenses since 2018, um, we really talk about our new SaaS model since 2018. And so you'll see 63% of our revenue was from that new SaaS model. Uh, current pipeline uh, over 9 million and again gross margins at 86 percent. 
Um, so, you know, the, the focus here is recurring revenue. Um, really sticky solution is driving our growth. So we're, we've got kind of two major paths, right? We have, we've got hunters that are our salespeople that are looking for those big new logos um, that we can bring in. And that's part of the 9 million uh, pipeline. We also have a team that's working on uh, not only the delivery, but also expansion within those companies. So the land and expand, that's also part of our 9 million um, uh, pipeline. Uh, and, you know, it's much easier, obviously, to sell uh, uh, and, and drive additional revenue from an existing customer because you don't have to go through the contract nonsense. Uh, but, you know, we got to also continue to really focus on um, new logos and new names uh, as, as we continue to go. So, you know, we're really starting to see this build of not only pipeline of deals that we're closing, uh, both new customers and land and expand with our existing customers. Um, our capital structure here, um, again, pretty simple. Uh, I think our share price today was 86 cents. You see our market cap, our enterprise value, um, cash on the balance sheet today, over 3 million uh, US. Uh, we have zero debt. Um, really proud of that, by the way, that we were able to get that done. And then you'll see kind of our, our shares outstanding. Uh, and management still owns a, a pretty significant percentage of the, uh, of the business uh, going forward. So we're, we're definitely uh, quite focused. Um, management team, uh, very senior management team. All of us have been uh, in Silicon Valley for a long time. All of us have been part of not only large companies, but also startups. And uh, this particular management team has been together for quite some time. And uh, I'm really proud of, of this team. And, and um, you know, I'd, I'd go to war with these guys, uh, which we, we do every day uh, as we're out there looking to continue to build out uh, Boardwalk. Um, so the investment opportunity with regard to Boardwalk is we have this uh, unique patented, sustainable and competitive platform. Um, and, you know, platforms, they're a little tough in the beginning, but man, when they get rolling, they're really good. Um, we're really focused on enterprises that are actively seeking solutions, especially to solve this unstructured data problem, and it's getting better for us. Um, very sticky solution. Uh, again, our, our attrition rates are, are quite low. Um, our, we've got this growing recurring revenue. Uh, the pipeline continues to build good margins, and I would say significant operational leverage. And you know, when you look at the company now with the debt paid off and the cash on the balance sheet, um, and us driving toward profitability, I, I really think we're, we're a very exciting opportunity uh, uh, going forward. Um, the last thing that I would like to show you, which I think, uh, which I think people find helpful, and I'll just spend a minute or two on this, is kind of what, what does Boardwalk look like? Well, you know, this is an example of an application that we built out uh, for a customer today where they're collecting data um, across a whole bunch of different data sets, and they're sharing this data with this, um, you know, kind of heat map, if you will, that shows them what's going on in a particular time frame, and then reports that come here. And the way in which you would, if I was, say, a, a senior director, and I said, I want to understand how many days of inventory was left for a particular product, I could literally open this up, hit these, hit the refresh button. The refresh button goes it, it, it goes out to the server and pulls the real-time data back into my spreadsheet, 
and then updates all of this so that I can see what's going on. So in one single version, I can take a look at this heat map and say, okay, for this particular product, I'm, I'm good for the next four weeks, but I'm going to go negative with regard to inventory um, in, in this particular week. And therefore, I may need to start to pay attention to that. Uh, and so this is extremely valuable information where we're utilizing the digital ledger to pull the data in and manage that. Um, this is another example of a, um, a demand uh, and, and planning uh, solution that we built. Uh, it has to do with a, a, a company that's in the seed business uh, looking at all of this. And, and, and then they have to allocate these seeds at the end of their growing season. Um, and so this is a system that automatically helps them to allocate based upon formulas that we write for them based upon last year's orders and this year's orders. Uh, and again, in this particular example, you would probably have 200 people involved in this where they're sharing all of this data. Uh, last one I'll show you is a system that we built for Brocade that has to do with um, uh, component manufacturing uh, or component management. So while they've got contract manufacturers that manufacture their electronic products, they're responsible for all of the components. And so they need to know when a component <clears throat> is a low on inventory or is, is, uh, is too much inventory. And we've got a whole workflow and system that's built into this. Again, if they went out and tried to either write this system themselves, very complex system, um, it would take several years and millions of dollars or if they tried to buy a um, an off-the-shelf solution, they'd end up converting it into what they want, and it never is the same. Uh, or they can take what they use today with uh, spreadsheets and and implement that onto the Boardwalk platform with our help and um, get the best of all worlds. So this that's a, a great example. So I'm going to stop there, Florian. I think I've probably taken up too much time. And um, I'm very happy uh, to answer any questions or dig deeper on anything that you think um, I should, uh, uh, I may have missed. Yes, that was perfect. Thank you very much. Um, especially all the examples were very helpful for people also that are not that familiar with the company because it's, I think, often not easy to sort of just get from the company description how it actually looks like, what product that is offered. And so um, I guess I want to start with the sales pipeline. So it's about 9 million now, mm -hmm. grew about 1 million in Q4, if, I'm, if I understood correctly. Um, how would you expect that to translate into revenue? Yeah, so um, everything that's on the pipeline are real deals where we've met with the um, prospective clients um, and there's a there's a real opportunity that's sitting there um, based upon that you know our our sales cycles can run anywhere from you know three months to nine months uh, and so when you look at those you would you know you could expect that we should be able to you know close over the next call it 12 months you know, somewhere between 50 and 60% um, of that business on the pipeline. Some will pull in, some will move out, uh, but that's uh, kind of been the general rule of thumb. And we're very focused right now um, on expanding our sales force and on sales and marketing. Um, we're not really 
spending a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me, on R&D. Um, uh, well, you know, you have to continue always to spend money on R&D to stay ahead. But um, our real focus is on driving that top line and, and getting to profitability. Um, I think you don't disclose a percentage of R&D. Are you happy to do that or do you? Yeah, I, I would you know I would say that our, our our we're kind of following an industry standard, but you know I I I think it's probably somewhere between 20 and 25 percent at this point, but I don't know exactly what the number is. But again, we're we're while we have to continue to build our products and enhance our products, um, uh, especially with this new market that we're moving into in the financial services. Um, yeah. My point about that, Florian, really is that we're very focused on sales and um, marketing right now, and uh, we're not having to spend an inordinate amount of money on R&D. The products are effectively um, done and working beautifully. Perfect. Florian, Florian the, the, uh, if yeah. I could, uh, it's Charlie Glavin. Um, the other aspect within the R&D is because most of the technology risk is behind although we are adding on new incremental uh, value. A lot of our R&D guys are actually supplementing and working hand in hand. So our sales guys are bringing in like Darmesh, our, one of our co-founders out there. So how do you allocate the time? So yeah. rather than take a look at that discretionary areas, which then you have to track on kind of uh, on that basis, it makes more sense to do it from a, a salary base. But what I can tell you is we are looking at the bottom line and less in terms of say the gross margin or the breakdown as opposed to how much resources do we need to close the deal? How much do we have to anticipate to the next one? And and so on and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. And Andy had mentioned that the target is to become profitable by the end of the year, but not at the sake of, uh, you know, if it requires putting more professional services or sales and marketing guys to increase the top line to have a much more robust profitability when we become uh, profitable, that will be the target. So we are looking to be profitable. We could turn profitable, you know, in the very near term. But given that the pipeline has expanded so much, including some of the complexities with those newer deals, um, enhanced security instead of doing shared dedicated servers, these are all high class problems. Um, and so, you know, there's a bit of a we want the customer or uh, investors to be patient, but more importantly, it's taking a look at a longer term return to the investors, not trying to just go for a more myopic return. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. Um, I think you have about 50 full time employees. Where do you see that going? Well, we're certainly going to continue to expand um, again with a real focus on sales and marketing. And then, of course, as as we also continue to build out this new market that we're focused on now, which is in the financial services market, that may require us to add staff as we start to see um, some of these, um, you know, hopefully um, larger deals uh, start to close in the in this particular industry. So, um, you know, you you may see us having to increase staff in order to meet the demand of some of this new. Uh, revenue uh, that would be coming in from this market. But Florian, remember that a lot of those seasoned software engineers um, are out of India, and there is a significant cost mm -hmm. advantage, as opposed to if we were based in Toronto or Silicon Valley, where the cost of that sort of expansion and the operating leverage uh, might be uh, compromised or delayed. Yeah. 
Um, just to come back a last time to the pipeline, I think it has about doubled from 2020. And considering that you said um, it's reasonable to assume a sales cycle of about 12 months, um, should we then assume to see a lot of the backlog from last year basically show up in, in revenue rather soon? Well, I think that that's, uh, that that's a decent assumption. Excellent. The other thing uh, I wanted to touch on a little bit more is sort of the sales strategy. How mm-hmm. does a company know that you exist? How um, how does a company find you or how do you go into a company? Obviously, we have this land and expand, um, yep. but then also new customers. Yeah, so certainly um, with regard to the new customers, you know, this is um, very traditional enterprise selling blocking and tackling. Now, I will say that the COVID um, and the, the, the COVID has changed things, but also the, the the market has changed and we've had to adapt. It's been fascinating to watch where, you know, this is my fifth company now in the enterprise software space. You know, what we used to do, which is, you know, go to conferences, meet people, you know, take them out to dinner, uh, shake hands, kiss babies, do all that stuff and drive leads through that. Um, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. And there's a lot more on social media and different methods like LinkedIn, uh, like Google keywords, where you're driving people to websites that allow them and landing pages that hopefully you can capture their attention with because, uh, you know, you'd, you'd only get about a minute. And then from there, it's got to be pretty compelling and uh, drive them into either saying, please contact me or I'd like to uh, learn more. And um, then, you know, then you, you've got sales development reps that then chase those leads and turn it into an opportunity that then gets handed off to a, an executive salesperson. Uh, so that from, a, you know, going after the new logos is, is, our, is our current strategy. Um, and, you know, so, you know, the old adage of, you know, doing advertising, that kind of stuff, you do that through different methods in social media, through LinkedIn, through Google, uh, and through through other other means. Uh, with regard to land and expand, let me tell you, we, we, we love our customers. We are, we are in our customers' um, kitchens, if you will. Um, kind of a funny thing to say that with the COVID right now, but uh, we're in their kitchen all the time talking to them about what's next, what can we do, how can we improve, um, you know, doing again the traditional, you know, monthly meetings with them, uh, what's going on. And you got to remember too that a lot of these guys, we're running mission critical processes for them. I mean, you know, you you look at some of these companies and and literally they, they're going to you know, they're, they're going to make their quarter or not based upon the information that they're deriving out of the uh, boardwalk system uh, that that tells them whether they should, you know, order more, buy more uh, or or do this. And so we've got to stay really close to them. And, and we're in a constant discussion with them on, you know, where do we expand next to be able to help you, uh, Mr. Customer. What are the primary challenges that you guys face right now from a land and expand perspective? You know, it, it's certainly that, you know, there's been some COVID headwinds. It, you know, I think people um, are a little bit, uh, they take longer to make a decision about this. But again, if you've got a compelling value proposition, um, you, you can always get it done. But we certainly have seen that the sales cycle has expanded uh, by a few months. Um, so that's been a challenge. I think one of the other challenges in the industry itself has been the whole challenge around security where, you know, we talk about a, the big value proposition that we provide security 
uh, and compliance around these spreadsheets. But when you're in the middle of doing a deal with a Fortune 500 company where it's a SaaS model, they're going to run you through the gauntlet with regard to getting security uh, on your system approved. And uh, that's also taking a little bit longer. Uh, but again, you know, we've had some opportunities where uh, that are new logos where we've closed deals in three months. We've had other ones that's taken us a year. We've had land and expand where we get a call and say, can we get started tomorrow? Uh, and we've had other ones where we've chased a particular opportunity for six months. And then finally, the VP says, OK, let's go do it. Right. So it's kind of all over the board. And with respect to your current customer list, I mean, that's a truly impressive list. I, I would assume you, a few of those uh, sort of in the legacy part of of perpetual licenses and, and just about to be converted or, or how should we think about this list? Because yeah, so from we, outside, if you see the customer list, do you, you think it's easy to, to get to get more business there or should be easy? Yeah, absolutely. And it's much easier to get it when you've got an existing customer on those legacy um, customers that do have a perpetual license. Yes, it's been a bit of a challenge to try and get them converted. We have made a couple of conversions. We continue to talk to them. And, you know, the story is, look, the perpetual license that you have is older technology while it still works and it's great technology. Uh, look at all the new bells and whistles that you get if you can move it over to uh, our new SaaS environment. And that's kind of the message that we, um, you know, that we're working with uh, with them on. And in terms of, so you mentioned um, financial services, banks, um, that is sort of your your next focus, basically? Yeah, it's definitely the, the the next target that we're working on. So, um, and I'm glad that you asked. Um, in the fourth quarter last year, the office of the controller of the currency that's underneath the, uh, you know, Department of uh, Treasury, I think it is, um, or Federal Reserve in the U.S., they're the, um, you know, they're the compliance guys basically, and they issued a a public press release, um, and. In that press release, they talked about a $400 million penalty that they um, uh, applied against um, Citibank for um, their lack of security and compliance around what's called end-user computing environments. And an end-user computing environment is basically a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. And um, there definitely are issues. Um, so this, this penalty was a wake-up call for a lot of the different financial institutions where uh, finally the office of the controller of the currency said here's a big bank we've been asking them to get um, these spreadsheets under control uh, they're not here's a penalty um, cease and desist get them under control and so um, you know we have been having conversations with um, many large banks about this And um, there's some real excitement that's starting to build around the uniqueness of the boardwalk technology of being able to take an existing spreadsheet and rapidly convert it over onto our digital ledger platform that provides the security and compliance as required by the OCC. But most importantly, does not require very much change from a user standpoint, right? So the only alternative today that a lot of these banks have in converting these 
EUCs or manual spreadsheet-based processes is to effectively rewrite it onto some new platform, uh, whether it's low code or no code uh, or uh, just a, a big code platform. And, you know, if you've got a thousand formulas and 40 macros and you've been using this spreadsheet across 200 people for eight years and it's matured and it's how you run your particular business unit. And now all of a sudden you're going to ask them to transform that over into a web form uh, where they don't have much control of formulas or anything like that. It's going to be a problem and very costly, by the way. So when you look at some of these banks that have 20, 30, 40,000 of these spreadsheet processes that today are not in compliance, uh, Boardwalk, we believe, has a real unique opportunity in the marketplace today with our technology that we have not seen anyone else in the market be able to do what we can do as quickly as we can do to help these banks transform these spreadsheets into a fully compliant environment. And so, you know, the, the time will tell here. We're very enthusiastic about this. Um, we believe that the go-to-market strategy for this particular channel is going to be through partners. And so we've been recruiting a lot of the large IT services companies that today service these banks and have long relationships with them. And we'll be utilizing those particular IT services companies as a way to get into the banks to then provide um, uh, our software and then have those IT services companies provide the professional services to help uh, to do the transformation and moving these spreadsheets over onto the boardwalk uh, platform. So um, this, you know, you talked about kind of go to market and our marketing and sales strategy. Uh, this particular market is best served through these partners. And these, um, this is what we're doing. So we've got kind of a two-pronged approach. We're going after and recruiting partners, and we also are uh, going after and, and, and recruiting banks directly. Uh, but most of the activity that we've had so far um, in discussions with these banks has come through partners. And so in my understanding, a lot of these financial institutions or banks are already working with other companies on on this issue basically so i saw something from microsoft basically um, for example then also city for example against which um the office of, of the controller um issued this this fine they have invested in another low code platform so how how do you see your chances to to get in into these institutions sort of despite what they already do Sure. Um, so I, there's, there's kind of a, a two-pronged answer to that. First of all, setting the stage with regard to the market, there's a lot of low-code application platforms that are out there that do certain things, and they may do certain things well. Um, you know, our specialty on the low-code application platform piece of this is transforming these Microsoft Excel environments without having to change the Excel itself uh, over into our, our low-code uh, digital ledger platform with all of the transaction chaining, history, security, compliance, uh, compliance tracking, all of that. Um, we really have not seen anyone else that can do exactly uh, what we do. Um, and 
again, there's a lot of FUD in the marketplace about this. Microsoft, certainly wonderful company, uh, unbelievable, um, you know, opportunity for them and, and, and very unique uh, solution that they have. But yet they cannot do what we do with this unique cell um, technology that we have patented where we manage all of the data at the cell level with a unique identifier. And again, this is this allows us to be able to uh, track all of this. So yes, there's a lot of low-code platforms out there. There's a lot of FUD in the marketplace. Uh, all I will say is we will see a year from now who's won the lion's share of this business. And um, I think it'll be really interesting to uh, to watch. Lauren, if I could, the, the uh, one of the other things that we come into a dilemma is low-code is often viewed as a lower uh, level. And I think it... Uh, undermines the robustness of the uh, platform before the call began uh, we were discussing this as far as the we do not rewrite code and uh, because of the new platform that was designed and that was really the pre-2018 startup you know phase being able to not develop a really cool app or a low code you know uh, system but rather a robust platform um, and as I was telling you, I would have killed for this if I was at still at Intel or Credit Suisse, an ability of having global teams be able to work on the same models or repository of information, inputting changing information without compromising the uh, veracity and providence of the underlying data. Think about what that means to audit, stress test, doing real-time simulations. Um, no other platform I saw you know, has done out there. But when we say low code, what we're not saying is, oh, we've dumbed it down. It's still that robust, but we're not rewriting code, but through the APIs. And as a result, when we signed our license with EY, from the day that we signed the license to EY went live with its own uh, clients in its tax department was six weeks and a team of five guys, which means we are scalable, we're quick to market, we're not an SAP where you're going to see an implementation team in there for two to three years and 40 guys who have occupied that West Wing, you know, over there. That's really the approach that we're doing. So we're actually the best of both. Um, but do not let that um, trick you into thinking that we are scaled down in terms of the robustness or the ROI we provide to our, our customers. Right. And, you know, and Florian, one of the other big distinctions here is that when someone says low code, um, the, the traditional method that these banks have tried over the past year or two to solve this problem is to take the Excel spreadsheet application that, again, might have 40 macros and a thousand formulas and be shared through a shared driver through email with 200 people and basically rewrite the application onto a low code platform. Now, I don't care how low code you are, if you've got a thousand formulas or a thousand lines of, of code that need to be rewritten and tested, it's going to take time. And so where a traditional low code platform to convert one of these applications over to a web form user interface and totally eschew the Excel user interface, which the users will hate, can take anywhere from six to seven months, where Boardwalk can do this in a matter of days or a week, 
uh, for most of these because we're just taking the Excel and the existing formulas and macros and porting it, if you will, onto our existing um, platform that provides all of the compliance and security that you need. So you've got a much higher user adoption, you've got a much faster method to market, and you've got happy users um, at a much lower cost associated with trying to transform 10 or 20,000 of these spreadsheet processes. So that's why you know we're, we're very enthusiastic about this market. We have not landed our first customer yet. We're in the middle of it. And again, I think it's going to be very interesting for me to come back to break out investors six months or a year from now and give you an update on where we are on this market. I think it could be very exciting for Boardwalk. And okay. and, and just so you know, I think Andy's giving himself a lot of wiggle room in, in, in terms of that timeline. Perfect. Um, yeah, that, that is something I have read about as well. If you look through a few of these case studies you see implementations of six months nine months even longer and then i see what do you have basically a few weeks um meaningful difference there yeah yeah for sure you know do do the math on twenty thousand on um you know days versus months or quarters and um it can make a uh you know it's it's a it's a material difference fantastic um, I think that the last thing I wanted to ask about is um, when you did your financings, obviously that's typically this combination of stock and warrants. And um, did you look especially after your investors or how did you decide um, with whom to do the financing, who owns the shares, the warrants, are these long-term holders or? Yeah, if, right. if, I, if I can actually Go ahead, uh, interject, because one of the things since I came in after Andy had started the original RTO process, uh, Lauren, was this last financing was really a completion of the original intended uh, amount when Andy you know, took the company public in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to understand that um, the execution of this and this, uh, the recent financings were really the completion of that original intended amount to pay off the debt for others. Now, in terms of taking a look at, um, when you do an RTO with an investment bank, you can also get a lot of flippers. And that was really what occurred in the beginning of uh, Boardwalk. Since then, the non-brokered uh, financings or the brokered financing that we did in January was targeted for longer-term investors who would be able, who would be looking at this not on just a quarter by quarter basis, but really over a, uh, a six to twelve month period at least, um, and for a couple of different reasons, you know, on that one is a sales cycle. But the other thing is really in terms of taking a look at the value proposition as an undervalued company. So when we took a look at that, we did, and I maintain you know, from my old days on the sell and buy side, I had a list of every single person that contacted us. So we went out. Coordinated nice. with brokers, we had a couple of you know of, of brokers you know who were included. Um, as much as Echelon was in that, we also had Canaccord, Lee Jones, and and uh, Haywood, who also were uh, involved, who also could do cross border uh, as well. So we uh, tried to combine that overall. The warrants were an extra kicker, and particularly given that this is a Canadian company, we took a look at it. 
Um, the other one that Canadian investors like is convertible. Well, if you're trying to get out of debt and the biggest pushback is on debt, doing a convert, even though they like it, wouldn't have been. So we opted for the equity units with the uh, warrants uh, overall uh, with the two year and took a look at recent type of uh, benchmarking versus others. And through the combination of the two, we were able to, uh, again, uh, pay off all of the uh, debt, keep a balance uh, and have a working capital uh, again, to the ultimate idea, and that's to not only fund the business, but also from an optic standpoint, not get involved or waste time with any customers who are looking at the balance sheet and, and have any concern with that. Plus having the kicker that as we perform, which we had confidence for, the warrants are going to provide an extra kicker to both the investors who are, are going to be involved in that, as well as uh, providing a, a supplemental cash. Not cash that we need it, but cash that provides that much of a uh, buffer. We're not in a position where we need to uh, make any sort of acquisitions to fill in gaps or go to other markets, but it's really an ability to get the optics that much better. And uh, again, my biggest concern is not so much, um, as I think I've mentioned to you, I need to prepare us for uh, not necessarily if things go bad, but if things go right. Do I have enough cash to be able to hire professional services with India to support multiple big uh, contracts because many of our customers uh, don't allow us to use their, their name because they view us as a competitive advantage. Can you imagine if I went back with, you know, there's four guys in the pipelines and I have to tell one or two of them, hey, I really would have liked to have helped you get market share, but I was too concerned about balance, you know, about managing my balance sheet. So you guys will have to wait six months. No, the <laughs> stock out's the worst thing you can have. So. Uh, with this new funding, we're uh, in a position that our biggest uh, challenge will be how to fund or how to properly resource uh, to ensure that we close as much of the pipeline in time. That is really our quest. Uh, right. And Charlie, the the number of institutional investors that we picked up um, on this last round, I think, might be important for them. Well, we did. Uh, the, the biggest problem is a lot. Uh, several of the institutional investors uh, came in underneath uh, street name. So uh, if you take a look at it, but the number of investors has now increased to, you know, over 170 in terms of listed. But just take a look at the you know, CBS number and there's a, it's our largest investor because they're holding everything in street name overall. But it was a good combination. We weren't looking at stri strictly the retail, but a combination of institutional and others. And as we, the market cap increases, there are guys in Vancouver and down, you know, south of the border as well that we're looking to target, um, you know, as new uh, direct investors. Very nice, very nice. Uh, we have taken more than an hour of your time. Um, we had, um, I think this was fantastic. Um, I think you're doing a great job and happy to be a shareholder. Florian, we're, uh, we're very honored to be at Breakout Investors and to have you as an investor. And I thank you very much for letting uh, Charlie and I tell the story. Yeah, we were happy to welcome you back in some time. Let's see how things develop, but Terrific. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Florian. Thanks, guys. Good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. The views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers, not breakout investors.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Neither Bracken Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor. No one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.